This is Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind with me, psychologist Professor Richard Wiseman. And me, science journalist Marnie Chesterton. And this latest episode is coming from Edinburgh in the middle of the hustle and bustle of the world's largest arts festival. Which we're going to completely ignore. Instead, we're going to go inside and chat to some of our favourite people. You can still expect fascinating facts, scintillating science and advice to improve your life. So let's move away from the festival, indoors, have a chat with some folks. Well, lead on. Right, Richard, we're in the hot seat. Uh, We're going to interview the legendary comedian and author and actor, Joe Caulfield. Why? She's wonderful. She's a fringe legend. She is very, very experienced. We worked together a few years ago. It was lots and lots of fun. And what I'm interested in is how some of these ideas in self-development actually play out in real life. She's enormously successful. So you read about keeping going or you read about being authentic with people living in the moment or you read about how to be confident. Well, that's all fine in theory, but how does it work in practice? So that those are the sorts of things that we want to ask Joe about. So a stand-up comedian like Joe has to deal with that on a nightly basis. Well, it's amazing what they do. They've got to come on and make a group of strangers laugh for around about 50 minutes, control the room, keep their energy up. If somebody heckles, they've got to deal with that. There's all these kind of skills. And by the way, it's a really tough industry. So what underlies that success? What, what's the psychology of success within stand-up comedy? And Joe is perfect for that. Let's have a chat with Joe. Somebody asked me the other day, do you want writer or author? And I said, because I've got a book out now, I said, I think author, because mm. writer sounds a bit like, well, you've not really done anything. Anybody can say writer. Do you know what I mean? I yes. thought, no, I think author means you actually are a writer. We have Joe Caulfield, comedian, <laughs> author, yeah. actor, an all-round good egg. Yes. Excellent. How are you? I'm really well, considering we're right in the festival. Yeah. Yes. How's it all going? It's going really well. I suppose I'm lucky I've built an audience. So people come and that is the main worry in the festival for people. (laughs) Is anyone coming? And I've fiddled around with the show a little bit. Uh, I know it'll come together. Just trust that it'll Mm. come together. And the ending came on the second night. Oh, okay. Where I suddenly went, oh. And that will be the ending. So that's good. Oh, you so you started before you knew where you were finishing. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I had a, a, an end joke that would get a good laugh, but I didn't have a sort of wrap up or like a bow and to, to make it a bit more special as a show. But then thought of a thing, a little trick and that. it. Yeah. And, and how fluid is the whole thing? So I've heard this idea of the audience writing the show, essentially, by them giving feedback on some material and, and, and you dropping other. And so is that happening to you throughout the whole fringe? Yeah. Um, and I did previews and I try I try out a lot of the bits, stand-up bits in clubs, because I feel that's tougher on them um, because people have only got 20 minutes to listen to you and they won't listen there's a weird thing about the amount of time you can stay on one topic in a club set that people will take in an Edinburgh show, but a club, any more than five minutes on one topic, and they're like, what? They just mm. get confused as to why you're still talking about the same thing. You know, and sometimes I think they're wrong and they're like, they just aren't getting this, so I have to drop it because they're not laughing, but they're wrong. And then <laughs> sometimes I can bring something back years later and go, I'll give it another go because I thought it was funny. 
and then either I've improved or the sensibility has changed. Now it's going to work. But I think it's often me, me, the way I'm doing it is different or I've got more authority with how I'm doing it. So then you go, oh, well, now that works. When I used to do magic, there were some things I did where they always went down well with the audience but I hated them. Like, like what? Well, pretty much most of the act, actually, to be honest. But there are things I thought, I have no respect for you for laughing at that particular joke because <laughs> it's a terrible joke. I'm going to keep it in because you are laughing, but it's an old joke or it's not a very clever joke or whatever. Have you, are there moments when you think, I have no respect for you as an audience for laughing at well, that Well, I would never say that, Richard, because I want them to like me and come to my show. But <laughs> there, there are some jokes where, and I have one in my show at the moment, and I said it to my husband and I said, but that's so obvious. Everybody must have said that joke. So I don't want to say it. And he said, no, it is funny. And it's about, uh, there's a story about buying a mattress in a shop. And I said, oh, one of the things that happened was the guy was talking to me. He said, oh, this is a good mattress. It's got that stuff. Oh, I can never, never remember the name. It can't, got that stuff. And so I say to the audience, I can't believe he'd, he'd forgotten the term for memory foam. And they think that's hilarious. But I, to me, it was too obvious. And, but that's when you go, you must remember they are not thinking about jokes the way we're thinking about yes. jokes because I got would get there immediately. Yes. But they don't. And then when they do, they enjoy hearing it again because they enjoy, oh, it's memory foam. That's so funny because it's called memory foam and he's forgotten. Oh, and now she's had to tell him. <laughs> uh, and it's still funny. <laughs> but that one, I'm a bit like, Really? Still funny. So if people hear this and they'll come to your show. <laughs> One and beat before you go, go. they're going to shout memory foam. Memory foam. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's the other thing I was going to ask you. You have comedy heroes? I would say Dave Allen. I would say Dave Allen, Joan Rivers, you know, for what she sort of had to go through because um, it was so male for her and her constantly writing jokes. Must have been for you as well, right? Because. But I didn't know any different, to be honest. Um, it was male. You were always on the bill with men. But it was all similar for black acts, uh, magicians, jugglers. We were seen as speciality acts because mm. I remember talking to Stephen K. Amos um, and he said, oh, no, they will literally at club promote and will go, oh, I can't have you because I've got Junior Simpson, who was another black act. And they would say the same to me. Oh, I've got a woman that night. And they would see it as, well, I wouldn't book two magicians. I wouldn't book two guitar acts. We're speciality acts. Um, but now... You know, I can't believe I go into dressing rooms and there can be, you know, two, three women on a bill and nobody bats an eyelid now. The younger women don't. I mean, I still go, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. There's three of us. <laughs> I'm still of that. Oh, and then go, all right. Oh, it's completely changed. Yeah. And how was it starting off then being a woman in comedy and there not being many mm. of them around? I honestly didn't think of it that much uh, in terms of, I noticed, I, as I started to do, it was more that comedy was hard. You know, how, mm. I really liked it, but how was I going to get good at it? Because it was, it was just really hard. And some nights were good because an audience would be nicer, so you'd be more confident. And then some nights they would be terrifying. And I noticed that they had, they seemed to immediately, they had less time if you were female. They would go, and you would literally hear people if they said your name, and that's why compares always said they. And the next act, they're great. They wouldn't say she, and you would say to them, don't say she, because you'd hear people go, oh. Literally, you would hear people like, wow. oh, it's going to be a woman, and they're not good. And only because they hadn't seen very many because they weren't very many. So what, what kept you going? Laughter. 
you know, just it's just a, a drug. It's great, that feeling of when it works and the satisfaction of having a new routine and trying something. And also the mystery of it, of sometimes things come out of your brain just fully formed. You go, I don't know where that came from. And it probably came because I do sit and try to write jokes and can't come up with anything. But the, I'm a great believer in, you know, things will just come out and I don't ask where they came. They're just lovely. That's perfect, as it was. And it comes out on stage when your brain is very hyper. You know, that's when you're, you can ad lib in a way that you wouldn't because you're not editing. You don't even know where it's coming from. It's just there. You just see a person and you say a thing about them and a lot of it is you're just quickly reading people, instinct, body language, all of them. Loads is going on in a tiny thing for you to insult someone correctly. (laughs) (laughs) And to know that they take it, that they're the right person and that you, but also that there's a truth in what you've said about them that people will recognise. Is that a particular draw for you in comedy? Because I, I remember late in live and... Bear pit comedy. No, not at all. I don't like it at all. And I don't like things set up in that way because I think it means that the comedy has to be very brutal, very basic. I think it was Rich Hall said, you've got to come on. You know, you need symbols between your knees kind of a gig. That's what he'd say for if it's just it's just rough and noisy and you need to distract them with stuff. And if you're just talking, that's not an easy thing to do. But if someone is disruptive and... uh, you, you put them down because they're usually doing it because they're quite drunk and what they're saying isn't very clever. Um, so it, they're not difficult to put down. So if you do that, you know, and people are like, whoa. And then, you you know, it does feel like a prize fighter. You feel like going, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that, so that is good. But I don't enjoy that kind of gig. No. So there yeah. is there is such a thing as a good audience. Yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely. You, you have to say that because... Sometimes, you know, particularly the Saturday night, they've had a drink, they're dressed up, they're already predisposed to enjoy you. Sometimes, you know, in my head, I'll be going, it's not that funny. Uh, but Memory foam. Memory foam. <laughs> but so you have to, you know, sort of take the good with the bad of going, you're not as funny as this audience is making you think you mm. are. They are just really ready for a good time. Uh, because on a Wednesday, it's the same material. It could be the same amount of people in the room but it's not going to go as well it always amazes me the speed at which 100 people whatever it is become one person oh yeah yeah they do become a sort of organic blob of a thing as an audience they decide to laugh at a joke or not instantly as one person would do yeah yeah i find that fascinating it is it is a strange thing and i do think and also you when you if you see them turn i saw an open spot the comedy store not that long ago and Boy, that's ugly. And it was like it swept through yes. them of going, oh, we don't like him, we don't like them. <laughs> and people just started talking like, it's like, oh, wow. This is like a, you know, almost like a physical wave went through the audience of them all deciding they didn't like this person. They were all talking about how they didn't like them. And then it sort of just became a silence like that. And then people started going to the bar. <laughs> and that, and it was over as one wow. mob didn't yeah. like you. Yeah. It's a terrible thing that you, you can have a bad gig. I mean, I, I don't, honestly, now I don't, in that you have ones I enjoy less. Mm. Um, but when I was at stage where I could then have a bad gig, you have to go, but look at that person having a good gig. It was me. Uh, I did play it wrong. And that's, you have to learn from that. So no. what, what have you learned from that? 
not to make them, not to do a well, bad Well, there, there could be all sorts of things that you can just start badly. Sometimes it's the other person's energy that you... I remember that, I sort of trying to, went after someone very, very high energy and I think I tried to use their energy, but then it quickly fizzles out and the audience isn't fooled. So it's sort of coming on as yourself so that whatever's gone before is gone and now this is me. And sometimes that might mean even starting slower, quieter, where they're a bit like, oh, but it lets them get rid of the last person. There's all sorts of little things. But often I will look and the comments will talk about this where you have a sort of slump and it can go on, not for years, but every couple of years you might go, oh, suddenly I just feel I just, sometimes you feel like, oh, wow, oh. And then you go, oh, I've just sort of lost it. And there's always a reason. And sometimes it's going back to basics of like, I'll be tailing off on punchlines. I'm not giving the right information. I'll do that quite often where suddenly I'm like, oh, you've virtually no setup. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've got overexcited and I feel, oh, they must know what I'm talking about, but I've not given the information. But it's generally you're doing something wrong. It must be a rhythm thing there as well, because sometimes comedians, if it only takes one cough in the wrong place, or even just like an ice cube in a drink in the wrong place, and yeah. then you've lost that punch yeah. and now it's hard to get that rhythm thing going yeah i mean somebody and someone did it the other night made a noise right on the punchline, and you can't go back no you because no. it's ruined they've smashed it um and the only thing you can do is go well i had a lovely joke there people <laughs> but this man chose to cough so was the cough anyone amused no <laughs> um but you can't then say this was the punchline because then they just go oh right it's so weird how now it's just information it's yes. not a joke now yes just doesn't work in that way i never thought about that it's weird that yeah You're listening to Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind, and in this special episode recorded at the Edinburgh Festival this year, we're talking to the excellent comedian, author and actor Joe Caulfield. There was a very well-known corporate speaker who used to write their fee on a piece of paper and stick it in the wings. And I said, why do you do that? And he said, it's the only thing that gets me from here to the middle of that stage. <laughs> I thought there was, there was a lack of passion there, I yes, felt. Yes, and I think the audience yeah. can pick that, pick that up, is yeah. if they can sense why you're there and whether yes. they're looking at an authentic person yeah. or whether you're faking it. Yeah, for years for me it was the confidence thing and I think you can't fake it. And there used to be a woman who doesn't do comedy now and she was a big one for faking it, a big go out, be all brash and... She wasn't confident, you know, and so and I remember seeing Harry Hill and his very jittery sort of personality, full of confidence. So it doesn't have to be that brash personality to be confident. And I thought the only way to get confident is to be good at what you do and do it over and over again. And people would say, oh, you're so confident. And I go, but that's that's like you're saying it's a trick. Yes. And it's not. It's a deep down. But I've practiced this a lot. And that, you know, same when I used to waitress and I could carry lots of plates because I'd done it a lot. I know how to do it. So I'm yes. confident I'm not going to drop them. But the weird thing is, I think with comedy, is you have to also have the illusion of spontaneity. The audience yeah. have to believe that the, that's the first yes. time you've said it. Absolutely. And, for them. and so I've got this pet peeve with some comedians who will go, oh, that got a bigger laugh last night. Yes. 
And then the bubble's gone. It's like, oh, you said it last night. Yeah. So in my head, I know you've gone through it 30 times because it's the fringe, but I still want to believe you're doing it for me for the first time. Yes, I, I, I agree about that. And I also have a thing. I don't even like comedians saying they're comedians or and they'll often do it when they're newer. They talk about, well, doing comedy. And obviously, as a comedian, they say, or they'll say, the other thing is they say, in my day job, if they've still got a day job. And I go, don't tell them you've got a day job. Yeah. They want to think you're a comedian, but also don't tell them you're a comedian because that sort of ruined it as well. You're just this funny person to, you know, I don't, you don't need to tell them you're a comedian. And there's something sort of arrogant and spoiling it as well to yes. say, Oh, yeah, they're a comedian. Well, they should be funnier then, you know, if they're a comedian. And similarly, the thing of uh, what somebody in the audience said another night, uh, that's a bit of a bugbear. And with a few comics, we'll say, well, what a shame they're not here because they were very funny. Yes. <laughs> that member of the audience that you've just told us about. Yes, you know. yes. But again, so that's like you spo- say, that illusion of spontaneity. It's a funny yeah. old thing. Yeah. So what advice would you give to your younger self? I mean, you've, you've now... You know, had a very successful mm. career. You're extraordinarily good at doing what you're doing. If you if you look back at Joe starting out, mm. what would you say to Joe starting out? Well, I would say thank you for keeping going, because I was really bad, but I had a couple of good first gigs that kept me going. But I could have, I could have bottled out and gone, oh, mm. this is just too painful, or it's too much driving around the country to be not very good at a terrible gig. So. I know that's not what you're meant to do with advice, but I would like to say thank you to myself for being hooked and sort of uh, just and carrying on because I I sensed I'd found the thing that I wanted to do, even though I wasn't good at it yet. <laughs> you know, normally you go, oh, and suddenly I knew and I danced forever. So, so thank you for carrying on. Thank you for carrying on. And uh, it would more be very practical things like, you should have started a pension pot. <laughs> uh, things like that, that adults go, why didn't adults tell me? You know, I think you just have to go through everything. So like I would say now to my younger self, don't say yes to everything. Hmm. You know, if you think, I don't think I'm going to be comfortable and you normally know what you're going to be good at and what you might not be good at. But don't take everything because you think oh, FOMO, you know, everything is a chance and somebody might see me, you know. They might see you not being good because your instinct was probably right that, no, that's not for you. So don't just do it because it might be a chance. Uh, Try to choose the things that are right for you. Well, I have a couple of studies, a couple of experiments. Mm. Uh, One of them is about, actually two of them, about comedy. So uh, I thought I could run these by you and see if you can uh, guess the outcome of the experiment. Uh, So this one is an experiment about humour. So somebody arrives at the lab. There's three groups of people. One group that arrive and you say to them, over there, and they can see it, there's uh, a cage, a little cage, with a furry animal in it, mm-hmm. and it's a mouse. And you need to go over there and go and play with the mouse. Take it out and play with the mouse. That's group mm-hmm. one. Group two, you have to go over there and inject the mouse with something from a syringe. Group three, when you go over there, you'll find it's a rat. And the rat's a pretty vicious rat, so we're going to give you some gloves, but it might even bite through the gloves, but you have to be very careful, handle the rat carefully. They all go over to the cage, and they find out it's just a little stuffed toy. Which of the three groups laugh the most? Is it the ones that think it's uh, a mouse, the ones that have to inject the mouse, or the ones that think it's a vicious rat, and they get there, and it's just a little stuffed toy? Well, I would think the rat would be my instinct, because... 
that's the, got the most apprehension. So that would be the most release of tension if I think I'm going to have to handle a rat and then it's a little stuffed thing. 100% correct. Ah. There we go. Very good. <laughs> Which brings on to anxiety oh. in humour. So do you use that? I mean, are, are you building up the audience's anxiety sometimes before a punchline? Yes. Um because there's you, definitely you, tension. You definitely mentioned you're tension. a you're a high status clown as well. Yes, that's, that's does that allow yeah. you to do more? Um, it's very good for puncturing, you know, for being pompous and letting them see. Like I have a, a little line, which is true, that I got commissioned to write a sitcom uh, based on my life as a stand-up comedian um, and, and based on me. And I did it. And they said the main character was unlikable. <laughs> and so the audience loved that because I'm like saying, <laughs> and it's completely true, they did. Um, <laughs> so that sort of thing, if you're being a little bit pompous and you're playing with that and then they get... So tension is very important in jokes as well of... Because you're, te- you know, and it's the misdirection as well. And I've no joke about the husband, my husband, and saying, "Have you ever thought about having an affair?" And he said, "Well, how do you know I'm not having one now?" And I said, "Because well, look at you." <laughs> and that's just sort of mean, but also they're tense when he says, because he says, "I do it yes. pompous, like, well, how do you know I'm not having one now?" And then, bam, you know. So that's tension. What's the and topics of jokes? I mean, because mm. affairs make us feel. Yeah, anxious. Oh, yes. So there's lots of jokes which are based on death or whatever the thing yes. that you feel anxious about. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think there is anxiety, and then uh, some, how long you can do something before the punchline. And I've spoken about this in another episode. Mm. But one of the funniest things I, I was in a restaurant with my brother, and he ordered mushroom risotto, and the waiter said, "I'll be interested to see what you make of that because we've had lots of complaints." <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's exactly. I loved it because the honesty wow, of it. That's so funny. Yes. Yeah, that's so funny. I thought it was rather good. It's everything he shouldn't have said. Yes. It's just great. In, in oh, one brilliant. sentence, oh, it just does the exact yeah. opposite. Yeah. Um, well, talking about the way things sound, uh, a second little experiment here is one I did actually many years ago. An old joke, very old joke. Two cows in a field, one turns mm. to the other and says moo, and the other one says, oh, I was going to say that. Really old gag. But we replaced the animals and the sounds. Uh-huh. And we asked people how funny they found it. So one was the, the cow joke with Moo. Uh, then we had two lions. One says, grrr. And the other one said, I was going to say that. Uh, we had two mice going, eek. And I was going to say that. And then the other one was uh, two ducks. And one says, quack. And the other one said, I'm going to say that. But so one of those was voted extremely funny. And mm. the others, not so much. So we have cows and Moo. We have tigers and grrr. Mice and eek and ducks and quack. My initial immediate thought is ducks and quack is funny. Ooh. Ah. Ooh. You're not on board with this one. No, no, no. I'm totally ah. on board. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just intrigued to know what in your expert brain goes, yes, that's, that's oh, a funny Oh, word. I don't know. I think mice and eek is quite funny, but when, and that was my, but as soon as I heard duck and quack, quack's just funny. Another 100%. <gasps> tw- twice. Twice <laughs> as funny. You comedy. <laughs> But I think it comes down to the K thing because there's a lot of words that are quite funny that have got that K sound in. It's true. Yeah. It it weirdly is a true thing, yes. like the, the quack and the K sound and people think it's a sort of vaudevillian cliche, but it's tr- I think yes. it's true. And also you want words that hit that people really hear. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny all those things that you sort of learn and don't realise you're learning, yes. but there's definitely, you know, there are rules 
and they work. I have one final question, actually, which is, I, I know, friends, you're, you're selling out, but there, there's times when you must walk out to a small crowd, at mm. least in the past, and because that's a bit deflating. What do you do with that? How do you still keep the energy there? Yeah, you have to be, yeah, sort of tell myself to be happy that they're there, they've come, they like it. And it's not their fault. That's the thing, you know, and it's your job, isn't it? So I like don't blame them for them not being many, but also do the show because I know I've been at a show sometimes and there's not many. And then the comic hasn't really done the show because they're like, oh, I'll just mess about because they're pissed off that there's not many people here. And what's the point? Well, we've come for the show. Mm. So still do the show, especially as the festival goes on, you you get tired. So funnily enough, uh, today's my day off and I'm going to change the order of the show mm. um, because it's a show that's not linear, you know, no story arc. So I thought, oh, I can. And that will make me go, oh, and I'll be excited and things will feel differently in different places because you have to want to say it because they'll feel if you're just reciting it. Thank you very much uh, oh, for that. Pleasure. A pleasure to have you here. And obviously, I want to say good luck with the rest of the run because mm. I know it's going to be hugely successful anyway. But uh, Joe Caulfield, thank you very much. Thank you. Legendary comedian Joe Caulfield. Joe was great. Joe was great. Uh, yeah, I need to get another pension pot. <laughs> uh, I thought what was, was interesting was her talking about opportunities because there is this sort of movement of, oh, just say yes to everything. You know, I don't know any opportunity. case of FOMO. Absolutely. But what Joe was saying was different and it, and it felt like the voice of experience, which is that if you say yes to everything, some of those opportunities might actually be like bad advertisements for you because you don't do very well. So what you should be doing, and it sounds kind of obvious, but it's the opposite of what's out there in a lot of the self-help literature, which is choose those opportunities quite carefully so they are properly opportunities for you. Yep. And also that notion of the difference between confidence and competence. That actually confident comedians like her have done it for years. They know what they're doing. That's why they're confident. If you try and fake that, if you sort of bounce on and you haven't got that kind of rock behind you, I think the audience can smell it. I, th I think they're quite good at going, yeah, hold on a minute. And again, it's another good learning. You know, when I talk to school kids sometimes they, they want to just be confident without putting in the hours to be competent so I, th I thought that was really interesting but that's what's always obsessed me about stand-up comedy is it's this interplay between you're being told a load of jokes but actually you just want someone that you can believe in yeah and, and, and knows what they're doing <laughs> Joe really knows what she's doing on stage and dealing with hecklers and so on and, and you just know that as an audience member and that notion of keeping it fresh I mean we caught her on a day off and what's she going to do she's going to reorder the set so that when she goes and does it tomorrow it still feels fresh it's the same material but now it's in a different order that's just to kind of tweak tweak it for her it's brain a, it's, just a, to... it's a great tip and and so that that illusion of spontaneity that we all have conversations the same conversations with the same people some of the time but you have to make it feel like it's the first time for them if you're a performer and joe was great at that and it was great and i love that that advice to the younger self of you know well done for just keeping on going you know turning up when they're, when they're tough old gigs. You know, again, it sounds like you know, a bit of obvious advice, but when you hear it there and, and realise how it's underpinned someone's success in their life, it's great. So if you're up at the Edinburgh Festival, Jo's got a one-woman show and you can catch her in that. And she's got a new book out, The Funny Thing About Death.
From Podomo and Telltale, this has been Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind. Hosted by Professor Richard Wiseman and Marnie Chesterton. Our producer is Kate White. The executive producers for Podomo are Jake Chudno and Matt White. And for Telltale are Rami Sabar and Jago Lee. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at WisemanPod. Where we'll be regularly asking you for questions for future episodes. You can also email us at WisemanPod at Podomo.com. And if you like this podcast, tell your friends, leave us a review. If you don't like it, tell your friends you did. Why should you be the only ones to suffer? Although it does help others find us. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.